Well, hello, Toowoomba. Welcome to this week in these crazy times, which is also episode eight of the Talking Toowoomba podcast, coming to you again from self-isolation. This week, we bring some helpful advice to those sometimes forgotten small businesses from some trusted local professionals. So this week, I spoke to Emma from The Woman's Accountant and Peter from Enterprise Legal, and I can't wait to share with you their tips on getting through to the other side. We would also love you to subscribe to our podcast and help us spread the word. So please share if you think others can benefit. Now, we also wanted to lighten the mood too, with something fun and healthy. So we spoke to Cass from Toowoomba Line Dancing Fun and Fitness about her online digital dance floor. So let's get on with the show. In news of the week, Toowoomba Regional Council have asked owners to keep dogs on a leash, even at off-leash areas. There have been recent incidents that have seen loose dogs approach patrons, testing the ability of their owners to practice social distancing. Winter watering times are now in force from the 1st of April. Check the Toowoomba Regional Council website for your region's requirements. They will also begin automating the CBD pedestrian crossings as soon as possible to help limit the spread of coronavirus. And are also urging the community to only flush toilet paper down the toilet after seeing an increase in pipe blockages in the last two months. In other news, we would like to give a shout out to the Royal Throne Rooms for asking the Talking to Uma podcast to come on board and partner them in a little initiative called Two Cents Worth. This is a business-to-business weekly Zoom meeting streamed via Facebook Live for all to watch and be a part of. This will be a deeper dive into our local businesses with themes each week pertaining to our current situation. So check out the Two Cents Worth Facebook page for details. Now, in the spotlight. Now, I'm going to have a chat with Emma. Now, Emma is pretty straightforward And when I found out she was an accountant, I thought, hmm, she is, in fact, a very good accountant, and I'm glad to have her on the podcast talking to Woomba. Good morning, Emma. Hi, Shane. Thank you for the warm welcome. So tell us a little bit about Emma and the woman's accountant. Okay. Oh, goodness. Emma and the women's accountant. So the women's accountant come about... About 12 months ago, actually, um, we had recently moved to Toowoomba and I was looking at, you know, what what was already here and, and what I could offer. So I took a look at my own database and funnily enough, I work with a lot of women in business and so that's how that come about. But um, I have been in public practice now since 2006 and I run my business with my husband, Mike. Now... I've been poking around your website and the first thing I saw when I got to your homepage really I enjoyed, and I'm going to read it out directly from your website, a refreshing, straightforward approach to business minus the BS. And I know that the BS doesn't stand for BAS statement. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, Look, I have always been described as a square peg in a round hole and when people like you who find out what I do, they're often a little bit taken back that uh, somebody as 
probably extroverted as myself, could be an, a bean counter. So, yes, no, uh, we don't, I don't do fluff. Uh, I don't do small talk and I'm pretty much a straight shooter. So you're obviously passionate about this. What's the best part about your job? <sighs> That's a tricky question. Um, I think for me it is seeing general business success, uh, seeing women come to me with an idea and often it does just start as an idea, Shane, and, you know, as we work together and find out what they really want their business to look like and what we can do together to make that business successful, it actually, it, it truly does fill my heart to see that, you know, these women are taking just their little baby business and building it something into, into something that makes them proud and that makes me proud too. All right, so we all know we're in difficult times at the moment and it's nothing like any of us would ever have dreamed of or anticipated. So can I ask you if you could come up with us five tips for evolving your business and coming out post the corona with a better version of your business? Absolutely. So I like to refer to that as uh, version 2.0 of businesses and like you said, you know, the whole coronavirus thing has, turned small business on its head. It has ripped the carpet from underneath a number of of my clients and and things that, you know, they are incredibly good at are being turned on their heads through no fault of their own. So we have been working really hard with those people uh, to to come out on the other side. So probably my first tip would be to be proactive. So what I mean by that is, look, I'm not downplaying the fact that what has happened to small business is nothing short of devastating. But at the end of the day, we are all in the same boat. And I guess, you know, instead of dwelling on it, we can certainly turn that into a positive and, and be proactive. So, you know, we reach out to our banks and see what they can do for us. We review our financial position you know, in terms of cash flow and things like that. Um, if we are one of those businesses who has been forced to close down completely, for a lot of small business owners, it probably is the first time that they have ever really had some downtime. So as well as being proactive, I think it's really, really an important time for those people in those industries to work on their business rather than in their business. So what I mean by that is have a look at the trading history of what they've done previously and really nut out what has worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked, why hasn't it worked and what they can do to change it. So, you know, coming back on the other side, we can, you know, make our business better second time round than what it was before. Um, I think that's really, really important. Number three would be to certainly keep up with your social media presence. I completely understand that, you know, cash flow is tight and people don't have a lot of money to spend on advertising. But the reality is, you know, our Facebook pages, our Instagram pages, uh, LinkedIn is another one for connecting is a really great opportunity to 
you know, still tap the toe in and let people know that you are still there. The fourth one would probably be look at how you are delivering your, delivering your product. If it's a product or service that can be offered online, what does that look like? Now, I actually did a Facebook Live this morning about this uh, exactly. And, you know, I have seen a lot of people who have tried to pivot their business but haven't really looked at their market to see whether that's actually going to work for them. So that brings me to number five is to ask for feedback. So what I mean by that is to, you know, as your business changes and we change the way we do things, ask your customers, ask ask your clients how they would like that service delivered if it's possible. You know, we're seeing lots and lots of people in the in the restaurants and cafes who are now doing delivery services. We're seeing people who would normally have face-to-face meetings do them via Zoom, uh, do them via phone calls, all of those kinds of all of those kinds of things. And most importantly is to think outside the box. Uh, you know, when you are doing that, often solutions come from other people outside of your business. Sometimes you can get so caught up in running your own show and thinking you know what people want. But if you just take that step back and ask the people who you're dealing with, they'll often come up with a solution for you anyway. Now, just on that point uh, of, of the support that I, I know you've been offering, you've, you've established a Facebook group. Can you tell us about the Facebook group and for those who aren't aware of it, how they can get involved and get some assistance through it? Yeah, sure. So that's just um, that is actually attached to my Facebook page, Emma Bowdler, the women's accountant. The page is the group is actually called Kick Ass Women Doing Business. Now, that kind of just started, uh, it was probably about four months ago now, just as a little support network of of women in business who, you know, just wanted a little bit of guidance. And uh, pre-corona, I think we had maybe 100 people in there. In the last three weeks, that has grown to more than 400. And what I am doing in there, I, I realise that I am a little bit different in the accounting space to what a lot of other people are doing. But what I am doing in that space is taking the government stimulus packages that, you know, Scotty and his marketing team are delivering every three days and putting them into no-fluff terms that people can understand and then have a look at how they might relate to their business. It's been received really, really well every day at the moment. We are doing an update in there about different things that are happening. We're discussing... Uh, like, you know, you did just ask me about my five tips for small business. You know, I, I will, I do cover those as well about, you know, what I'm seeing with my clients and how that might be able to extend, I guess, to the broader community. Now, I need to let you know that that page, that group is not just restricted to my clients. That is open to anybody who is looking for support, asking for feedback, and you can literally just join. Um, it does need an admin approval because I don't want to be spammed with all all kinds of people in there. But you know, if you are 
genuine business person looking for some business support, you can certainly request to join that one and join in the conversation. Now, when, when I have guests on the podcast, we, we often chat about different things, but there's always two things, two questions that I throw at my guests. So are you ready for this? Oh, goodness. Depends what they are, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not that bad. Come on now. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? No, it's funny you should say that. Peter's, Peter did the same um, thing with me this morning. She ended up with two, but go on. Really? Okay, so my two would be probably Michelle Obama, her resilience through everything that they've been through in America has been amazing and I just think she handles herself amazingly. And the second one would be Rebel Wilson uh, because I just think she's <laughs> hilarious. I think her and I are kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Now, on a, on a, on a, on a back to a serious note yes. or semi-serious, what's, what's your other – what's your favourite thing about Toowoomba? Favourite thing about Toowoomba, look, I'm really community-minded, so I think just their general community, everybody is generally really warm and inviting. We have some of the best coffee shops in Toowoomba, and I will plug my favourite here, which is Pizza and Pie Co in Margaret Street. Um but, yeah, between coffee and the community, I think, you know, it's a pretty good place to to live and to raise children. It's interesting you should say that. The number of guests who have very similar views is amazing. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I've come back to Toowoomba. So, so yeah, it's an awesome place to live. It sure is. We are very, very lucky. Well, Emma... I want to thank you for coming on this morning and, and chatting with us about the challenges that businesses are facing here in Toowoomba during this time. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the fact that you're also out there in the community trying to help everybody through this difficult time. Thank you, Shane. I think, you know, anybody in my position, I would like to think would do exactly the same thing. Well, I'm going to look forward to having a chat to you again on the podcast. I've got a feeling we'll, we'll be chatting again. I think we will. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye for now. See you later. Thank you. Well, joining me this morning, I have Peter Gray, who is the Principal Legal Director of Enterprise Legal. Morning, Peter. Morning, Shane. How are you? Look, not too bad, all things considered. And we're certainly living in interesting times. So I'm glad we could have you come on the podcast to to help us navigate this from a legal point of view. Yes, yes. We're all, we're all um, breaking uncharted waters, so there's, there's plenty of things to consider at the moment. So how long have Enterprise Legal been practising now? So Enterprise Legal was founded um, by myself and my business partner, Shane Ladigan, back in September 2017. So we're coming up, we'll be we're two and a half years at the moment. So, which is actually very young in, by Toowoomba law firm standards. We've got quite a few firms in um, town who've been going for 100 years or more. So we are very much the babies in that regard. 
but you specialise in the area of enterprise and, and businesses, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Some people might know that there's a general tendency um, with law firms moving towards more specialisation. So those days of, you know, having your family lawyer who could look after everything for you in one spot, we're kind of moving past that and lawyers are generally more specialised in certain areas now. So our specialty is business, which means we only deal with business clients. That is businesses of any size. So anyone from a mum and dad um, or a startup or a micro business all the way through to large um, businesses such as councils like that. So it's quite a broad range in that regard, but I suppose the type of work we do is only legal services that relates to, to businesses and not, you know, we don't do things like family law or, or wills or things like that. I'd like it if you can give us five tips that businesses should be thinking about at this point in time. Yeah, sure. Okay. So Shane, my first tip is is my most important one, but it's actually probably a bit broader than as than strictly a legal tip. So it's being proactive about gathering information. So not just the government directives, which you know we're obviously getting a lot of those at the moment, but also information um, from your accountant, from your lawyer, from your own financials and your own income forecast. So really analysing the own information that's available in your, your business. And if you haven't done so, to try and work out what your bottom line looks like in this current climate. So, you know, the amount that you need in order to pay your essential bills for the, the say, next six months. If you start with six months, that's probably a good place to start. That's what uh, most of my clients and certainly our business is working on at the moment. We know that there's been a lot of commentary from the government that it could be longer than six months, but I suppose we do need to start somewhere and, and that's a good starting point. I suppose the reason why doing this this information gathering is so important is that you can't just rely on the government to give you all the information and and assume that it's all just going to miraculously sort out your business problems because I think there can be a bit of a tendency at the moment that because our government is doing so much in the way of economic stimulus, I think there's almost not a, a tendency for people to sit back and go, oh, okay, well, I was really worried a couple of weeks ago, but it seems like all of these different things will flow through now and so I'll probably be okay. But the thing with that is there's a lot around the timing of it. So most of these payments aren't coming through until May. So, I mean, if you're, you've got a business that, that can't even make it through until May, then that's a problem for you. So you need to know about that <laughs> before it's too late. So when, when these major changes occurred two weeks ago, Shane and I literally went back to the drawing board and critically analysed every detail of our business, so every item of expenditure, every source of income, um, every type of client and the work and what impacts that um, COVID-19 was going to have on them because there was obviously no point for us to continue marketing certain legal services and products to stay, for example, around leasing because no one's going to be leasing a new building in the current climate. So it's, it's really you've got to make a decision and put that on pause and focus on other areas. So they're the kinds of things that we really encourage people to be doing. You know, don't, don't be in the dark about yeah, I think the the important thing is make sure you keep your finger on the pulse, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And I mean, it, you do have to balance that with, you know, it can be information overload at the moment. You know, you don't want to get too overwhelmed with all the information out there. So I suppose it's it's picking out those reliable sources. So another tip I have is the reason to get all that information together then is so you can make decisions to help keep your business viable. 
And you can't make those decisions in an informed manner unless you've done that first step of, of really analysing, you know, where your, your business is sitting in light of everything that's happening. So a lot of these decisions around staff, trading hours, you know, negotiating maybe different terms with your suppliers, contacting landlords, you know, they're all legal decisions to make, but you need to have done that groundwork of gathering all the information first so that you're well informed in making them. And then the second tip that we're certainly encouraging our clients is be informed, but then don't worry if you make those decisions relatively swiftly. There's a difference between making decisions rashly without having all the information and but also still making them swiftly. Because again, in this very rapidly changing environment we're in, Certain legal decisions that maybe, you know, we would encourage clients to take two to three to four months to make, we do need to condense that time down at the moment. We do need to make swift decisions to try and um, help businesses stay afloat. So I, I do worry that some people are hoping things just get better and kind of putting off making what can be hard decisions in some respects. So we would encourage people to, to not take that kind of approach, that to, to be proactive, to be informed, but then make decisions relatively quickly. You know, I was just thinking, listening to you say that, it, it, it's almost like you know, the easy decisions, you, you obviously make those, you think, oh, that was easy, I can move on now. But realistically, yep. to come out the other side of this in the best possible shape your business can is to not even, well, I shouldn't say not think about the easy decisions, but actually go for making the hard decisions first. Save the easy de- yep. the easy decisions till you need a little bit of a break, perhaps from it all. <laughs> but yet, yeah, make sure right. you concentrate on on the hard ones. Would, would that be a good way to to think about it when you're looking at a number of decisions that you've got in front of you? I think that that's exactly right. I mean, normally, if we were in a normal non coronavirus environment, and say a client came to us and said, "Look, we're we're worried about our ongoing financial viability," we would go, "Well, make these little changes first. So you'd look at things like obviously cutting non essential expenditure and things like that. So they're all things that people should already have done, and if they haven't, they should definitely do that. Um, but we're already quickly moving on from that in the same breath almost to we need to go further than that. Those things are not going to cut it in the current environment. You have to do more. So I suppose the way Shanae and I looked at it for our own business was that we planned for the worst. So, you know, if your worst case scenario might look like, well, what if I get no income? So not a single dollar of income for the next six months. Work out, can you make your business model survive those six months? Can you? Run those figures. Look, look at what you can cut. Look at all of those things. Um, and then if you can get these, uh, you know, different payments and different stimuluses that the government is releasing, well, then you'll be pleasantly surprised because you will have already worked out your bottom line on the worst case scenario and those things will only help you. So I suppose, yeah, you're exactly right, Shane. Like we're, we're well past the point of just making some little tweaks for most businesses and we do really need to dive in and start looking at those harder decisions. Have you, have you got any other tips for us, Lita? Yeah, so I've I've just got two other um, tips which I have been banging on about a bit in my in our in our enterprise legal social platforms, but they're they're both important ones. So the first one is about staff. So arguably that's probably the trickiest issue um, for businesses to navigate at the moment because there's just so much to consider in that space. The government directives are continuing to be added to every week. Um, so as staff are usually the biggest cost of businesses, it's really important that you make the right calls regarding them. So in a nutshell, you need to weigh up what the immediate benefit of making certain decisions is 
compared to the long-term um, benefits and pain and gain of making those decisions. Now, that's not easy. You know, navigating redundancies versus stand-downs versus um, just letting casuals go, uh, there's a lot to consider in that, that realm. Um, and again, I, there's no, you know, I think people might make an assumption that the government will give you the answers. They can't give your business the answers because it is different for each business what is going to be the right decision in that regard. You really do need to apply the information to your own circumstances and make the right call for you. Um, and then the, the second issue, which is probably the second most common one other than staff, is about leases. So if you have a shop front and your business has been affected by coronavirus, which is most businesses but not everybody, uh, then you need to be speaking to your landlord. You need to be proactive about having those conversations. Some landlords have been great um, in terms of they've been proactive in going to tenants, but other landlords are putting their head in the sand and going, well, it's not my problem, it's not my problem. Coronavirus is everyone's problem. So anyone who says it's not their problem is incorrect, <laughs> in my view. Coronavirus is everyone's problem. Um, but I suppose where those landlords are coming from is that it's not a matter if you're a tenant to just go, oh, I can't pay the rent because the landlord's running a business too. So equally, it's not their fault that we're in coronavirus. So you need to work out what you can actually afford to pay um, as a tenant or what else you might be able to offer your landlord in a non-financial way. Um, so for example, you know, agreeing to extend the lease term. Um, landlords always want to make sure that they've got tenants locked in. Um, that looks good in terms of their, in their books if they've got leases that go for longer. Um, offering them services or products on a contra basis. So, you know, maybe you uh, you run a hotel. Well, maybe you tell your landlord, look, you can come and stay in my best room ever after this is over at no cost. You know, think, get creative. Think about what you can put on the table um, because negotiations are a two-way street. So don't just ask, ask, ask from your landlord um, without giving them anything in return. So, um, and similarly, you know, like I said, there are landlords who are acting and doing the right thing, but there are some who are trying to wipe their hands of it, um, which that might be working for them now. I mean, again, we're kind of coming to a, a pointy end now. Um, as we're recording this, I think the government's meant to be making a decision later today um, on or making some more announcements around commercial rent. Um, again, I think there's been a bit of a mentality that there's going to be a lot of detail Around that, I remain of the personal view that there's not going to be as much detail as people might necessarily think because, again, these things, these issues are on a case-by-case -case basis. You need to work out what is going to work for you and your landlord and your tenant um, rather than expecting that there's going to be some broad-brush approach adopted by the government. So they're probably all of my tips. Hopefully there was something useful in there. I'm for, sure there were lot, lot, lots of good tips here. Thanks very much for your time this morning, Peter. No it's worries, Shane. Thank you for having me. And look, there's two questions I always like to ask my guests, and I'm not going to let you off the hook or make it any different yes. for you, okay? Yes. But if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? So this was a difficult question, um, but I've picked Hillary Clinton, and not because I have any political, you know, that's not a political aspiration or anything, but um, I, I love that Hillary has suffered some really terrible public disappointments. You know, arguably she lost an unlosable election um, to Donald Trump, but she's always maintained poise and dignity and, you know, hasn't kind of let it get her down over time. 
Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd love to pick her brain about how she manages to stay so resilient in that regard. And I also really like Alan Kohler from the ABC, the financial advisor, because he, um, he makes finances interesting and easy to understand. And I'd love to pick his brain about the current situation. Well, that could be an interesting dinner party with the three of you then, couldn't it? <laughs> it could. <laughs> and the other question I ask all my guests is, what's your favourite thing about Toowoomba? Yeah, so my favourite thing about Toowoomba is definitely the diverse patchwork of awesome businesses that exist. So, I mean, the reason why I am a business lawyer and have always been a business lawyer, why we started Enterprise Legal, is that I just genuinely love business. I love hearing how people come up with new businesses and make them work. And um, what I love here is that there's just so many really good stories. I think in Toowoomba, we sometimes get bogged down in the Wagners and the big, the bigger stories, which, you know, are great. But there's just so many good little stories that are out there. And that's what I really like. It's been a pleasure having you on this morning. Thank you very much for your time. Look forward to chatting to you again in the future. Thanks, Shane. Now, if you want to hear the extended interviews with these two who have been doing a mountain of extra work for all of us around town, we will upload the interviews in their entirety. Here's something you can do as a family to help stay active and release some of that pent-up energy. It's line dancing, but not as most of us know it. And I'm chatting with Cassandra, really known as Cass, from the... Toowoomba Line Dancing Fun and Fitness Group. Cassandra's got some interesting things that she's decided to come up with due to the coronavirus. Morning, Cass. Hey, Shane. How are you going? Look, really well. Now, what are you up to? (laughs) Well, like many others, I am now at home. I'm doing a bit of work for my usual job at home. Um, in regard to Toowoomba Line Dancing Fun and Fitness, we used to get together four times a week and obviously that has not been possible in the last couple of weeks. Um, I found my calf muscles getting a bit soft and I uh, found myself going a little bit stir-crazy, not catching up with our wonderful dance community. So I decided to go online. Everybody's going online, you know, takeaway, shop, retail, everyone's going online. I thought, how do I get online? Uh, There was a digital weekend uh, run in the UK uh, or in America not that long ago that I did tune into and they had lots and lots of different instructors teaching lots of different dancers and little old me thought, we can do that as well. So I created what's called a digital dance floor, which means I create a private group, so if people want to be part of it, they need to get on that private group and request. There's a small amount to pay, but that gives you basically access. You go into that group every Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday morning, and you tune in with the entire family, uh, with your cat, with your dog, with whoever may be at home, and you get to watch me instruct dancers and then we put the music on and dance the dance that we've just walked through. So last night was our very first night. We go again at 6 o'clock tonight. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. We have a digital dance floor. Okay, so this is happening on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and then again Thursday mornings. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, because that, that's sort of loosely when we, when we usually dance. And look, our, our first night was, it was hilarious. We had 
I had comments coming through where people people had you know blown a plugger um, because obviously I didn't tell people the correct footwear to wear. Um, I had other people messaging that um, that you know they they will obviously require a bra for next time. We had people <laughs> whose children were laughing at them, but then joining in and having a fantastic time. We had people dancing with their cats. So my dogs actually appeared on stage a couple of times because the dogs couldn't understand who I was talking to because I was talking to an empty room. So the dogs kept coming up on stage thinking I was talking to them. And I had one lady send a photo in of her cat actually attacking her TV screen, (laughs) uh, (laughs) attacking my dogs, which were on stage. So, look, all sorts of shenanigans. We're a very, very casual group anyway. We get up to a bit of mischief, and look, we need to still be able to channel that that mischief and those shenanigans in the comfort of our of our own home. So we will do it for as long as as we're told that we can't all get together. Okay, so now you said Tuesday nights for beginners, right? Yes. <laughs> what about someone like me that's got two left feet? Do you have a night for them? <laughs> <laughs> we may have to create a special night. No, we won't. No, Tuesday night, you'd be 100% fine, Shane. And look, some of my more experienced dancers, I did, I, you know, I do need to apologise because we are going right back to basics. I also see this as a really good opportunity to expose the world of line dancing. People still have that stigma a little bit about, you know, thumbs in pockets and yee-haw um, and only do it to really old country music. We're not like that at all. What, I don't have to put my thumbs in my pockets? No, you actually don't. You can oh. put your thumbs wherever you want to. <laughs> you can wave them around. I'll leave them, I'll leave them in my belt loops, I think. Yeah, that, that's where I'll put my thumbs. <laughs> you, can, you can definitely do that. I walk through the dancers four counts at a time, then we add another four counts, so we've got eight. Uh, we can only count to eight. That's as far as us line dancers get. You know, Thank five, goodness six, for that. Seven, yes, we don't go too complicated. Um, but, look, we do it to lots of different music. Yeah, I'm seeing this as getting new people exposed to it. The thing is, Shane, is just to get out there and have a go. Like, we're not professional dancers. We're not, you know, we don't compete. We don't. It's literally fun and fitness. And, you know, we have a ball doing it. So if you like good tunes and it's just about getting up and getting up and moving and having a good time during all this craziness that's going on at the moment. All right, Cass, thanks for the chat. Catch up with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks, Shane. Cheers. Bye. See you on the dance floor. Okie (laughs) dokie. Bye. This is What's On. What's Online. Daily Monday to Thursday from the 6th of April to the 9th of April at 10am and again at 2pm, a one-hour Zoom virtual co-working with Canvas Co-working, free and anyone can join in. Monday the 6th of April at 10am, Grand Central's Facebook page hosts At Home with Cleo. Watch and listen to popular Cleo the Clown story time. Monday the 6th of April, visible after 40 Weekly virtual get-together from 7pm. Tuesday, April the 7th, Facebook Live business get-together, brought to you by Two Cents Worth. 9am to 10am on their Facebook page and via podcast if you miss it. 
Check out all these online events on Facebook for further details. Farmers Markets Saturday, April 11 at Cobb & Co. Toowoomba's Farmers Markets, food stalls only, from 7am. Orders can now be placed online for quick pickup. Sunday, April the 12th, Toowoomba PCYC, markets food stalls only, from 6am at the Toowoomba PCYC. Well, that's it for another show. Thanks to our supporters, Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce and Two Cents Worth. We look forward to you tuning in again next week. So until then, stay safe. See you around, Toowoomba.